This is Tom Salta, and you're listening to the Sound Architect Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Sound Architect Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Hughes, and I am joined today by the fantastic composer, Tom Salter. Thanks for joining us today, Tom. How are you? Thanks so much, Sam, for uh, having me be here. It's an absolute pleasure. And I have to say, it's nice to have you on the show and meet you voice to voice, so to speak. It's been quite a while since I wrote an interview back in 2015. Yeah, it's always fun to talk. Yes, it definitely changes the way you speak to people. <laughs> the written, For sure. Yeah, written answers For are not sure. the same. So it's good to have you on the show. And we're mostly going to be talking about, obviously, your recent title, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Yes. Um, but I'm really excited to talk about this because I also am a big fan of the 80s, I have to admit. I know you are also a fan of the 80s. So yes. before we dive straight into Wolfenstein, do you want to give us a little info on how much you're into the 80s? Oh, quite a bit. Thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, uh, I grew up in the 80s. So in 1981, I was 10. Do the math. So that was my <laughs> the golden years. That was, every, you know, just coming of age. And so all the typical 80s movies and the 80s music. And, you know, that was I was immersed in that whole culture. So that was really fun. And right in 1985 is when I also discovered my uh, second love, my first love was video games, but my second love was synthesizers and electronic music. So I got my first keyboard in 1985, which was the, you know, the Roland JX3P. So, you know, you imagine me growing up listening to Depeche Mode and Yaz and, you know, all the new wave bands. So that was a huge influence for me. And then uh, kind of coming full circle, uh, I, uh, my brother-in-law and I, six months ago, started our own 80s themed podcast called Two Guys in the 80s. So every month we release we release a new podcast about growing up in the 80s and we talk about everything in 80s culture and I put in sound effects and music and quotes and it's just a lot of fun. So, you know, you want to talk about the 80s, uh, that's that's me. I love it and uh, um, it's always enjoyable. So it's safe to say that when Wolfenstein Youngblood was set in the 80s and they asked you, uh, you were kind of okay with that. You know, I was I, I thought about it I'm like, I, yes, I am fully OK with this. <laughs> so I think I fell off my chair. I'm like, really? Yeah. Yay, you know? Yeah. The email response so. is like, yeah, sure. But out loud is like, what? Yeah. Well, yes. Yes. Forget about it. I was doing the happy dance. Awesome. Well, in that vein, then, I, I do kind of want to ask, how did you first get involved with the project? Was it the usual pitch process or did they, you know, listen to your podcast and go, well, this guy knows the A's? Like <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, it, sadly, it was the, the usual uh, pitch process, um, and uh, which I don't typically like pitches. It's just the whole the whole dynamic of it doesn't really lend itself to a composer putting out his best material and knowing the 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 game but that's a whole nother topic yeah um but it was a pitch process and fortunately i did get it obviously um i was uh, chosen to uh to compose alongside um martin stig anderson who was already established on the project from the previous mm. and uh so so that was fun but they did give me a very specific kind of guide or style that they wanted me to mirror and as as much as i am familiar with 80s music um this was a a very specific niche of the 80s that i wasn't as familiar with surprisingly mm. which was the post-punk era uh early 80s 1980 1981 much like the cocteau twins on their gracelands album so i mean i i had to plead ignorance i'm like okay i gotta check this out so i started really digging in 
uh, listening to songs, listening to the tones and the textures and figuring out the musical recipe. Like, what is it that was jazzing this audio director, Nick? And um, we had a lot of conversations and I started figuring it out. He really loved the swirly, twirly, ambient, dreamy uh, guitar stuff, the, all the bendy stuff. Very dark. It works very good for post-apocalyptic settings, of course, which oh, yeah, Wolfenstein is, you know. And then, of course, it evolved. So as I as I got into the project, uh, then I was able to introduce new ideas and bring more of my synth um, personality into it to kind of mesh it. So it became this sound, which I coined the term of twin blade, which Ooh, was like nice. Cocteau twin meets meets uh, Blade Runner. <laughs> That's a great combo. That's awesome. Plus, it's a very awesome sounding word, Twin Blade. I'm, I'm down with that. Twin Blade. I'm like, wait, I made that up, I think. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no. So that was how it went down. And, and uh, so, yeah, it became a that and a little bit of a John Carpenter, which is also like the stereotypical 80s movie. So, come on. I was having a lot of fun. Yeah, you could say you enjoyed it. I did. Know. I really did. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting you brought that up because I was going to say, like, you know, it's set in the 80s, but when you think 80s, like music-wise, yeah. you know, most people go to the same kind of retro wave place that a lot of everyone else goes to. Right. Like, you know, the synth wave and all right. the kind of like yeah. that approach. Take on Exactly, me. yeah. Yes, right. yeah. <laughs> but I was going to say, this one seems to be a bit of an unusual 80s approach. Yes, um, that's right. With the way that you went. And you say it's the post-punk uh, post era. That's correct. Ah, now, I'm interested. So yeah, what was it like trying to adapt your style to something that you were so new to? Well, you know, I, I take it as an opportunity uh, to open up a brand new room in my, I guess you'd say, kind of my creative uh, brain, whatever that means, yeah. as far as exploring uh, sounds that I haven't really used before. So it, it, it's, it shows you another side of your personality creatively. So I enjoy that. And that's really what got me interested in games in the first place. I was really sick and tired of kind of getting locked into the pop music back in, you know, I was doing that since 1990 and, and 2001 came around and things changed and I felt very limited. So when, you know, this is a perfect example. Have I ever done post-punk 80s dark music before? Not really, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so uh, this was this was a great way to explore and I had, I mean, even though I'm familiar with the gear, I know all the all the 80s gears and reverbs and synths and pedals and processing. I just never this was like a brand new palette of of colors. You know, it's like someone handing you a bunch of paint on a thing. It's like, OK, you've never painted with these colors, but go. Yeah. And so that's the way I uh, compare it. So it was a lot of fun. And it, it, now it's opened up. Uh, it's it's made my repertoire a bit more rich and, uh, and you know, widened the spectrum of my experience. Yeah. And I find that fascinating because now that, that kind of genre or area of your creativity is unlocked, so to speak. Correct. So, like, that's now a potential for the future. It's crazy. Absolutely. It's like a level up in Skyrim. You know, I say that that's the way I look at life. It's like, oh, I just added that ability, you know, and, and, and it's just fun. It just adds to the richness and uh, of everything that you create, and it's fun. It makes it an adventure. I mean, that's why I'm doing this. It's just so much fun to explore. Yeah, and I, I'm curious where that will, how that will influence your future composition. Like, did you pick up anything in particular? That you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna remember that technique. That's gonna come in handy later. Hell yes, um, absolutely. In fact, um, because it was such a guitar centric uh, score, nice and 
I'm not a guitar player. Okay, oh. so that introduces a little problem. Either I'm <laughs> sitting next to a guitar player for, for three months, or I figure out ways to express myself without a guitar player present in ways that sound like guitars or to have them reperform. Now, I would say 75% of the score ended up not being a real guitar, but something that sounded like it. Yeah. And so that was me experimenting with um, running synths and fake guitar samples, or not fake samples, real samples of guitars <laughs> through unique processing chains. And it, it allowed me to come up with some very unique, fun sounds that work for all kinds of things. So, yes, it definitely did expand my palette, and uh, I'm... I'm very happy to kind of go back to some of those toolboxes of, of sounds th that I've uh, created for this. But I also worked alongside some amazing guitar players uh, as well who, who brought some of their sensibility, usually earlier in the project. Um, but, um, you know, when you're creating scores, you really need the freedom to create on the fly. So unless I'm going to play guitar, the, be the, the next best thing was, you know, using the keyboard and figuring it out. And it created a sound which sounds exactly like a guitar, but not really. Right. Gotcha. <laughs> it's like this yeah, unique yeah, yeah. texture. So if you listen to any of that music in the score, it's like, yeah, I, that's guitar, but I haven't ever heard a guitar quite like that. And, uh, and that's the reason. Yeah, awesome. Well, as a guitar player myself, I'm also very happy that guitar played such a centric role in the, yeah. in the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's always yes, good to yes. see the, the instrument oh, being yeah. ripped. Um, yep. And in 80s, like even in this genre, it seems that, you know, the guitar still is quite prolific. So that's good. Yes. It's always good. So you collaborated with Martin Stiganderson on this one, right? Yes. And I'd say I, I didn't have a chance to collaborate in real time back and forth on things as much as I'd like to. Yeah. But we did have a lot of conversations in the beginning, in the middle and towards the end as well. So I'd say we really coordinated not, rather than collaborated. So yeah. in other words, Martin was assigned to do certain specific areas and I was assigned to do other specific areas. But because, you know, we really admired each other's material and respected our role, respective roles, Respected our respect. That's a lot of respect. That, that is a lot um, of respect did, right there. I don't know if that even makes sense. <laughs> but any case, so so we were able to coordinate, and, and I said, hey, Martin, if there's any of my melodies or motifs that you'd like to use, uh, I'm happy to send some stuff over. So I did. I sent some stuff over uh, to him, and he played me some of the things that he was doing. And it was good so that, you know, because a lot of this is establishing a, a technique that, we wanted some consistency. So, for example, if we're using 80s vocabulary to, to, to create a fight scene, right? Yeah. Or, and drums. Okay, so, you know, I played him what mine would sound like, and I wanted to hear what his sound like. And we talked about gear we'd be using. I said, okay, I want to stick to, you know, let's say Dr. Rhythm or the Oberheim DMX or, you know, whatever. And, and it was interesting to hear some of his stuff, which sounds distinctly different, but it's still, they all very compatible. Yeah. So um, in that sense, uh, it wasn't that we were completely blind to what each other's were doing, but we were working very independently. Yeah. And I'm always curious how this works, because it seems to be happening more and more often over recent years that composers are collaborating on, on games. Yes, that's right. Um, and so I assume it was up to the game developer which areas you were assigned? That's correct. That must be quite interesting then to be told, right, okay, you've got these areas, you've got these areas, off you pop. Yes, that's that's right. Yeah, it was it was uh, interesting. You know, in generally speaking, I'm not a huge fan of the idea of having multiple composers 
but in some cases it does work really well. And it works particularly well when you have one, an audio director who, who's very experienced and knows exactly what they want and is a good team leader. Yeah. And secondly, it works well when you have personalities of composers who are compatible and not competitive and not lost in their own, you know, getting caught up in like it becomes a contest. Yeah. See, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And and so, you know, Martin is really laid back and I'd like to think that I, that I am. So we, we were not like trying to outdo each other. We were trying to be a team uh, working all, all three of us, the audio director, Martin and myself. And uh, I think uh, all parties uh, agreed that it worked out really well and it was enjoyable and I'd be happy to do it again in the same way. Awesome. Yeah, because I was also going to ask how you sync up, but it seems like you spoke so often that you made sure that you were both on the same page, like almost all the time. That, that's right. And, and it wasn't like, um, you know, we, it's not like we sunk up every week, but, you know, I would drop in and he would drop in and say, hey, guess what? Hey, I just, you know, I created this new area. If you're interested in hearing what I did for Tower 2 um, or, you know, I want to get a sense of how you're dealing with the fight thing or here's this cool melody in case you want to use it for the villain, you know, because I did the, you know, the boss. Yeah. Um, and, you know, things like that. So I wanted to make sure that he... You know, that whatever we did was very compatible and as cohesive as it could be, given that it was two different people doing it in different ways. Yeah. And I, I was curious how, like, did you know when your tracks would follow each other or whether you'd have some of your own following each other? Did you know the kind of order that it would come in? No, I didn't really know an order so much. Uh, unless I asked, it was generally based on areas. So right. I guess you could say there was sort of an order, but it wasn't like, Martin's track and then mine plays right after it. That would yeah. never happen. They right, were okay. really more assigned to areas. So each area had its own personality. So, for example, uh, I created uh, music for Tower 1, Tower 2, and then I created what they called generic uh, or core suites. Right, and these okay. were multi-purpose uh, suites of music. And when I say a suite, I mean it covers the full spectrum of Everything from ambiences to idle to searching to combat to over the top to stingers. So that's a suite of music. It's like a set. It's like a Lego set. All right. Awesome. Yeah. Just stack it together. And, and so, you know, I didn't necessarily know, you know, what order they would come. They, they might, I gave them a lot of flexibility. So you could take my suite, you could put it here, but fair. And I think because they did have a good amount of time to do play testing and experimentation, they were able to actually uh, change things that they might have intended to be different uh, when they initially started. So it worked out very organically and, and, and it worked out. I think that implementation came, came out very, very nicely. Awesome. Yeah. Cause I'm always curious how it would piece together after working together like that. You and me both. Yeah. Yeah. It must be nice to hear the end product and go, phew. Oh, yeah. That, well, that, that came out suck. okay. That's right. Ooh, okay. All right. So with that in mind, what, what would you say is the, was the biggest challenge of this project for you? Uh, I think with this one, the initial fear that uh, I felt when I heard it was a guitar-centric score. <laughs> yes. <laughs> From what you said, I can understand that. That was, uh, I did not think coming into this that I would come up with a tone myself or a technique that would make everybody happy, including myself. Yeah. Uh, and it did. And I knew that, you know, the audio director had a very high standard uh, for what he was looking for, Nick. And um, 
And when I f- discovered after after a period of experimentation that some of the stuff I was doing without a real guitar player was working out famously well, uh, I was very relieved, as you can imagine. So that was the biggest challenge uh, that I had on this entire thing, pretty much. Yeah, cool. And on the flip side, then, what was your proudest moment of the project? Um, <laughs> I'm very. I choose that word. I'm very careful to use the word proud. But let me see. <laughs> what 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 would I be like? Uh, very happy with. Very pleased with. I. You know. Um. Hmm. I. Th- I think I remember on one of the 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 core suites, which we ended up um, actually, even though there's not a soundtrack released, it is, uh, it is out on my SoundCloud. So you, you can hear some of this, but I think I remember when I composed this piece uh, in a way that we never approached uh, before in the game. So what I mean is instead of following the typical formula of, okay, we're doing like an searching thing or an idle thing. And now we're doing a combat thing. Instead, I created a piece that was more of a, a a building piece. It started soft. It built. It built up more. It built up more, and then it kind of came down. And it was it was enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. On its own, but then when we were able to kind of chop it up and put it in the game, and it worked better than anything else, that was very satisfying. Oh yeah, I bet. You know, because that was like oh, okay, that's great. Because one of the challenges of game music, as you can imagine, is you might you might check off all the boxes as far as it doing technically the right stuff but when you can when you can also create something that is just great and enjoyable and immersive to listen to and mm. and you get lost in it and you forget that technically it's actually doing all the things that a game needs it to do but you don't care because it lists, it sounds so cool that's uh, that's the holy grail as far as what you want to go for as a composer in games. So that first time that we kind of hit that goal, that was uh, very satisfying. Oh, I can imagine. And uh, obviously I'm biased as a lover of games, but um, video game music to me is especially one of those really unique creative mediums where it's not only about the music composition and the writing it's it's about how it's implemented how it's then going to be used and you have so many more possibilities there that's true that's true it certainly is a bit of um interesting challenge uh, of way to uh have to create because you do have certain what i'll say left brain limitations that you have to adhere to or guides um that it has to fit within yeah um but uh, yeah, this the nonlinear fashion, um, the the musical Lego block, so to speak. Um, but once you kind of get comfortable in that framework, um, it could be very uh, liberating. Oh yeah, definitely. So I have a, a kind of cheeky question here. Oh please, because uh, I'm I'm quite curious. Do you have like a favorite track from the album where you can be like, yeah, that was me. Yeah, that was good. Ah, like, <laughs> oh, that, that's uh, well. Uh, let me see. I guess I do. Um, yeah. So I, I have to say, one of my favorite tracks that, um, uh, that was so much fun to create was called Paris 1980. Oh, nice. And um, it's one of those tracks that I kind of mentioned where it follows. It has a circular chord progression, and it and it works in all degrees of intensity. So it was very cool and mysterious when it started, and it it's just one of those things you don't mind hearing over and over as it builds, and just all the fun 
you know, 80s centric sounds and, and effects and things like that. It, it was a lot of fun. And, and it really features that guitar texture that I was telling you about that. Yeah. That pseudo guitar thing. So th- that was a lot of fun. But there was also another track in the game, which uh, which was incredibly uh, fun, uh, which was a song that we actually did uh, called uh, A Means to an End. And for oh, those cool. who are ha- heavy Joy Division fans, you might recognize that title. Now, I know Joy Division, but I never heard this song. It, but the uh, audio director wanted to do... A cover of this, and it turned out that um, the developers were very much a fan of a synth-punk band called The Guilt in Sweden, Ah. okay? And so they wanted, like, The Guilt to perform a a version of this song, and I was asked to produce it, which is great, because that's that's my background as, you know, record producer kind of thing. So I'm like, oh, this is great, yay, I get to put my producer hat on. So I, I spoke with them and, you know, we listened to the song and we were both kind of looking at each other over Skype going, really? This is the song we're supposed to redo? <laughs> because if you listen to it, it's just like it doesn't seem to sound right for what we're talking about in this Right, game. okay. It sounds like very like... I mean, it really, I don't know what was going on that morning in the studio, but... Wow, it must have been a tough night. <laughs> so, uh, and it was really slow and 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 plodding and what have you. So, and this this band was like a you know it was a female singer Emma, super high energy punk, you know. So it was like okay, how are we supposed to blend these together? It just so happened that Nick Nick the audio director really loved the lyrics of the song. So it's like okay, so it's really not about capturing the same vibe as the original. It was more about the lyrics. So then it became this challenge to kind of like figure out how to make it like it sounds like it's a guilt song. Yeah. So I made it super fast, super aggressive, a lot of, you know, heavy, tight distortion, got her out of her, you know, got her yelling and screaming on the track. And it was a lot of fun. So so that was the ending credits of the game. And that's also um, currently on my SoundCloud. It's called A Means to an End featuring the guilt. So I'd say those two were perhaps my uh, biggest highlights from the entire score. That's awesome. And we'll have a link to Tom's SoundCloud in, in the text below as well, so you'll be able to easily find that. Well, I think I've asked you as much as I possibly can about Wolfenstein. But thank you very much. That's awesome. I very much enjoyed that. And as an 80s fan myself, I was, I was there with you talking about the 80s <laughs> vibes. So I really kind of dig that. But Thanks. what else are you working on at the moment that you can actually talk to us about? Oh, that's the unfortunate thing. When it comes to games, I can't talk about anything in the future tense. Of course. Of course I can't. I can't. You know, I, I have uh, some other fun game-oriented side projects and things like my Twitch channel where I take Ooh. people into the studio. And, uh, of course, you know, the, the the podcast, which is more of just a fun side thing on a personal level. Um, but, uh, you know, not nothing uh, really else that I can really discuss in the future tense. Um, you know, there's a lot of fun things on the horizon and I'm, I, I keep busy in many other genres as well, including, uh, you know, film and TV trailers and writing songs for artists. And I'm working on a new television show. Oh, wow. And, you know, all, all kinds of things. So, so I'm kind of all over the, the map creatively, but it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm always interested in the answer when I ask composers this because it's always like, well, I'd love to be able to tell you so much more, but sadly. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, I know. We can always talk about what we've done rather than what's coming up. Exactly, right? 
Speaking of which, though, however, I am intrigued by your mention of your Twitch channel. Ah. Because there is an origin story to this, isn't there? Yes, yes, there is. So, um... I worked on the theme to PUBG Battlegrounds. Awesome. And so that brought to my awareness this thing called Twitch. Now, I know most of you listening to this know what Twitch is, but it's this massive online network, uh, you know, broadcast network of, of online streamers. And, you know, people, thousands of people play these games and thousands more watch them play. And, you know, some people have millions of followers and they're making tons of money. And I'm like, what is going on? You're making money from playing video. <laughs> so anyway, it was like, wow, this whole phenomenon. And Battlegrounds was, I think, at the forefront of that. So fast forward, fast forward. Uh, I met some people uh, at Twitch at a, at a conference uh, panel I was speaking on one day and I was really intrigued. I'm like, you know, what? how can a composer uh, maximize this platform? Are there people out there that would be interested in speaking with game composers in an online streaming way? And they're like, of course. So fast forward a little bit more. Uh, I was asked to attend TwitchCon last week in San Diego. And of all things, I was asked to perform on stage uh, the theme to Battlegrounds. That is awesome. And what made it even more fun, it was like a panel slash uh, presentation performance and Phil Shepard um, from um, Detroit Become Human was also one of the panelists so I I invited him to play along with the theme so uh, so we have the panelists on the stage Phil being one of them as well as the moderator uh, and a, a rapper artist named Dose One and we all performed live the theme to Battlegrounds it was on Twitch in front of like 12,000 streamers and an audience that is epic so that was hilarious so I'm like hey if I'm gonna do this why don't I make sure I have a channel so I did start a uh, experimental uh, channel that I do every week so if anyone goes to twitch.tv slash Tom Salta you can find it and uh, you know it's an experiment so if you're curious of what I do and you want to kind of get a peek in my studio and have a real-time conversation, come on by. But it's, you know, it's just my way of giving back and being part of this exciting video game community. Yeah, that sounds pretty amazing to me. I'd, I'd be purely no, like nosy to see your studio set up at sure. least. Sure. You know? Come on in. <laughs> <laughs> well, it still lasts. I don't know how I'm going to do this, but <laughs> yeah. for now, I'm doing Limited it. Limited time off. We'll see. All right, so... This has been awesome, I have to say. And I have one final question for you, which is sometimes a bit of a doozy. So I shall allow you to think about your answer. So what is your top piece of advice for anyone considering composition as a career? Ah, um, I, 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 that's kind of easy. Ooh. Um, I, I've, I've given this advice so much, I think it just, it's, it's, it just comes out naturally. So there's a few tips. Excellent. There's a few tips here. Composition as a career. The career is the tough part, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's more important that you don't focus on the career for part first when you're starting out. You really have to get down to the core of why. Why do I want to pursue composition yeah. as a career? How much, how badly do I want it? Am I willing to go through the hard knocks that it takes not only to establish yourself, but to stay in the, the game. This isn't like, I don't want people thinking that, you know, you become known and you're like this famous known, you know, composer or whatever it is, and then you've arrived, and then it's just fun and games and, you know, just 
people call you up and money just is delivered to your doorstep. It it doesn't work <laughs> that way, you know. And so you really have to ask yourself why, and you got to make sure you want it bad enough. And quite frankly. Uh, most people don't want it bad enough yeah. because it's just not natural. It's be, it's got to be on the almost on the borderline of obsession. Like I'm not going to feel I lived my life unless I do this. <laughs> yeah, that's really the the soul searching advice I'd say is make sure you really really want it because there's way easier more reliable ways to uh, have, make a career and provide a living <laughs> for yourself and your family. That, oh, that, yeah. that being said, when you can find that perfect epicenter of things that you love to do and also make money doing it, and you would do it for free anyway, which is something that I always ask people, what would you do for free if you didn't have to work? That's another question I often ask people. Oh, that's a good one. You know, besides vacation and party. Okay, once that's over, <laughs> then what would you do? You know, what would you want to create? You know, and, and that usually helps people get a little closer to the truth. Uh, but but at the end of the day, a very practical thing is when you decide this is what I want to do, surround yourself with the people that you want to be like. Um, network, make friends. Yes. At make relationships because it's always about relationships, isn't it? Always. Yeah, always is. It's about who, you know, who, you know, people love to work with their friends. So uh, I think that's also very important advice. If you want to have a career in composition, then dive right into the uh to meeting those people and and that's these days it's easier than it's ever been in 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 uh in history in human history whether it's online even the thing i was just talking about twitch or you know just facebook or conferences it's just you, the the world is right there sitting on your phone or your laptop or your whatever so no excuse not to be able to meet everybody you want to meet. Wow. Well, I think that's definitely one of the best answers I've had to that question. And the fastest as well. Usually people get stumbled a little bit. <laughs> oh, God. Well, well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, I have to say it's been an absolute delight having you on the show. And I hope that we can have you again at some point in the future. Oh, it was a pleasure, Sam. Thank you so much. It was, it was great speaking with you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And I'd like to thank Tom again. And we'll hopefully see you again soon. Bye-bye.